Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. It's something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. I'm excited to be joined today on the podcast by the tight ends coach for the Oklahoma State Cowboys, Jason Meckendu. And coach, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know we all have it now, but nevertheless, it's great to have you here on our show. Yeah, Keith, thanks for having me, man. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of extra time right now, so it's good to talk some ball. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, coach, as I mentioned, you know, want to give our listeners a, a little bit of background f- for them and, and talk a little bit about your journey through coaching and some things you've learned along the way. And for for you, as far as a coach, this started back in 2000 at the high school level. And, you know, you've moved through the ranks here to be at Oklahoma State now since 2015. So let's go back to the beginning of that, though. And, you know, the the point, I guess, where you were inspired or who inspired you to to say, you know what, I want to be a, a football coach. That's what I want to do with my career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think everybody, like you said, everybody's got a different journey. 
a different path that, to where you get to now, and, and everybody's everybody's path is a little bit different. I think I, I first knew I wanted to be a coach back in high school. You know, I was inspired by my high school coach, Rob Lomborg, Aberdeen High School, growing up on the coast of Washington. I, there was just something about it. I just knew that that's probably what I wanted to do down the road, and uh, I used to keep all my block, you know, all the all the blocking sheets and all my all my football stuff and draw plays, and so it just kind of always seemed like it was innate what I wanted to do there. And you know, obviously finished up high school, I played college ball at Washington State for the Cougars. Um, I played in the 1998 Rose Bowl against Michigan, won a Pac-10 championship, so that was awesome. You know, it's probably one of the highlights of my playing career. And then I was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, so I spent two years in Seattle. Uh, 98-99, spent a season in between there over in NFL Europe for Berlin Thunder. And then after my second year with Seattle, I signed free agent with the Saints in 2000. And then, you know, like a lot of guys, you know, you're at some point in time, your helmet's taken, your cleats are taken, and you know, nothing you can do anymore. Why? Well, I, I uh, continued to try to work out with teams in 2000, and, you know, it was always the same thing. Hey, don't call us. We'll call you. And kept trying. Well, I, I gave myself to the end of the, the December 2000. And you know, I just decided to hang it up. I could have went back to I could have went back to NFL Europe, XFL, Canadian League, but I I've been at the top, I've been at the pinnacle. So, you know, I wanted I wanted to go back to NFL, and if I couldn't do that, then I was going to hang it up. So, I decided to to do that and started high school coaching at Lake Washington High School in in, uh, in Seattle area. So I was coaching high school ball. I was you know honestly probably at that point in time a low point honestly when you get done playing you don't know what to do. You know, and a lot of guys are mad at football or angry at football. So that's kind of where I was at. And when I went out and started coaching, high school coach found out I was in town back from the Saints and said, hey, why don't you come out and coach? So the first day I went out there and started coaching, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So just how do, how can I how could I progress? How could I move forward in the, in the profession? So trying to figure that part out, I think that was a hard part. And I think a lot of guys are probably there right now trying to figure out what to do, what direction. Um, I was – married and we had our first kid on the way so i just i couldn't be a ga you know i just i couldn't go that route coach price i called coach price i played for washington state and hey can you help me out and and he tried to give me a few spots as a ga i just i couldn't do it so i decided to give up on college coaching actually and be a head high, i was going to be a high school coach so i went back and got my master's at whitworth college in spokane washington and that was a 12-month program, and get your teaching certificate and your graduate uh, work together. So somebody like myself had a bachelor's degree. I had no teaching credentials, so I I did that for a year. I was right in the middle of that program, and then Mike Kramer, the head coach at Montana State, called me in 2003, and he offered me the O-line job at Montana State at 29 years old. And I... <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I went to the, I went to the head of the program and said, "Hey, look, I got this opportunity to coach Division One football." And basically, the dean of the program said, "Hey, jobs come and go. You need to finish your master's." And I said, "Well, you don't you don't quite understand that. You get a division Division One job at 29 years old." I said, "I'm I'm going to take the job and I'll finish my I'll finish my degree somewhere else." And he said, "No, no, I want you to finish it here." He's like, "What do you need?" I said, "Well, I need to go to I need six weeks to go to spring ball." He said, "All right, I'll make a deal with you. You student teach for four weeks." you can leave for six weeks for, for spring ball and then come back and finish your student teaching and get your degree. <laughs> I mean, you, th- you want to talk about, I mean, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. And so I did, I did. I started, I started my student teaching. I left for six weeks for spring ball and I came back and finished and graduated, got my master's, you know, and then went to Montana state as a head, as offensive line coach. 
So I spent spent 13 years at Montana State. Absolutely loved it there. I mean, Bozeman is an unbelievable place. Montana is the last best place uh, in America. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed my time there. I worked for two different head coaches there. I think I had nine different coordinators. Uh, you know, learned learned a lot of ball and learned a lot of ball. And I think you know you learn how to you learn how to adapt and and survive, right? I mean, how to adapt and change with other other guys and other coordinators and systems. And I kind of got to the point where I kind of made made light of it. I just said, hey, look, you can run whatever you want to run, just don't change my O line calls. <laughs> just I mean, because some guys were zone guys, some guys were gap guys, and so you just I, just, I learned a lot of ball. You know, I mean, I think that was really good and. So yeah, we really enjoyed really enjoyed our time at Montana State, but I always wanted to be a D1 coach, and so um, like ev- like everybody out there aspires to keep moving up the profession, you know. So you know, honestly, my my how I got to Oklahoma State, I, it's all about who you who you come across your path and your journey, right? I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I I mean I do know. I mean, I feel like it was it was God that put me here. I mean, it just opened the door and and so it was your time. But I also feel like I got to know. I got to meet uh, Dabo Sweeney, honestly. 2011, I was the AFCA Coach of the Year Award for the FCS level. So my wife and Ruth and I went to the AFCA convention in San Antonio. So while we're in San Antonio, while we're in the elevator, the elevator door opened up and Dabo Sweeney and his wife were on the elevator. So I, I knew who it was. I obviously said hello, Coach, and, and Made small talk, but not much. But my wife said, oh, I love your jacket. I love your shoes to his wife. And next thing you know, we start talking. We walk with with them, you know, probably four city blocks to the convention center in San Antonio. And at the end, I just said, hey, coach, can I get your email? You know, I'd just I'd love to stay in touch with you. I didn't get his number, cell number, just got his email. So once a, once a month for a year, I emailed him once a month, just asked him a question. And within 15, 20 minutes, he would respond to me just a, a heartfelt answer. I mean, I mean, I had guys in my own office that wouldn't respond to my emails and here's the head coach at Clemson 15, 20 minutes responding with a heartfelt answer. So, so anyway, so I got to build a relationship with him and he's super genuine. And then I guess it would have been the AFC convention in 2000, 2012 or 13, probably 13, 14, maybe 14. Anyways, I had reached out to the head coach. And we have a cup of coffee and said, sure. So we met up and, and we met up in, in the convention, and he said, hey, I just let you know I talked to Mike Gundy and gave him your, and recommended you for the O-line job at Oklahoma State. And here's the number. Reach out to him. Talk, you know, touch base. Let him know you and I talked. Well, I did that, but it, it never really went anywhere. I, I never got a call from Coach Gundy. I never even got to hook up with Coach Gundy in any sort of way. So um, so that, that opportunity came and went. But what, what, what Coach Sweeney said is like, hey, I, want you, I would like for you to come out to Clemson and work my football camp. Bring your son come work our camp and love to have you. Well, I was the, I was the camp coordinator at Montana state and running my own camps. And so there's, I, there was no way I was going to be able to go. And so my wife said, Hey, listen, you're, you're going to go. You're going to tell your head coach that you're going to go. I didn't have money to buy the plane tickets. So my, my sister-in-law bought the plane tickets to go to Clemson camp. Right. So we go out. So it, it all worked out. I got, got the tickets and we went out to the Clemson camp. Well, I worked, I worked for the Clemson camp and my son Luke went through the camp. So here I am at the camp, coach Sweeney. I mean, he's, he's there the entire time. He, he high-fived 800 kids. He watched me coach, you know, six straight days. He was like 10 feet, uh, like five feet from me watching me coach. Well, it's all about who you know, right? It's all about the, the, the past you come across. So 
so that was awesome. You know, came that season came and went, no call from Gundy. Well, then the next the next year, Oklahoma State opened up. I called Coach Sweeney and said, hey, could you call Coach Gundy and recommend me once again? And so I'm assuming he did, and I never got a call from – I had the, I had Coach Gundy's cell phone number. I would text him once a week, hey, I'm your guy. You know, love to, <laughs> love to come work at Oklahoma State. No, no response, no response. And so I just finally just said, well, I got the wrong guy, or wrong number. This isn't even his number. So I just let it go. And just let the let the idea go of being at Oklahoma State. Well, a month went by, and then finally my phone rang, and the number on it said Mike Gundy on my phone. And so I picked up the, my phone, and and coach and I had a conversation, and I mean it was unbelievable. I just said, hey, I asked you a couple questions, you know, and we we talked a little bit, and he said, all right, I'm gonna make a few phone calls, and then uh, later on that afternoon he called back and he offered me the, the job at Oklahoma State. And he said, hey, I already made the phone calls I'd like, and, you know, would you be interested in – I said, yes. He said, well, I haven't even told you how much you're making yet. I said, coach, it, it don't matter. <laughs> I said, it absolutely doesn't matter. So I'd, I'd love to be at Oklahoma State, you know. And so that's kind of how I got here. I mean, honestly, it was kind of been a whirlwind. And now six years into it, I mean, it's unbelievable. No, it's a, it's a cool story. And, I mean, the, the persistence, right? You just stuck with it, kept developing a relationship kept emailing coach and really followed through and did the things you needed to do to, to make sure that that worked out for you. I think the thing out there, I mean, you know, guys are listening to this podcast right now and I know there's guys that are, you know, they're in a bad spot or in a tough spot. And, you know, I just, if I could tell them to just to keep going, you know, you're, you're closer than you think, you know, and it's just, maybe it's just not that time right now, but it's maybe it's around the corner. You know, and and just be persistent, like you said. Don't the, the worst anybody's ever going to tell you is no. The worst they're ever going to say is no. You know, I'm not. I'm not interested. I'm not going to. You know, we've all been. We've all had our name in lots of different jobs and not gotten them. I mean, that's coaching. That's the coaching life, right? I mean, it's there's definitely more no's than there are yeses. But yeah, just to just to keep going, man. Just to to keep chasing your dreams and don't let people tell you no. There's there's lots of that along the way. Just thinking of this, you know, 29, you got that first college job. And, and I get messages from uh, from coaches all the time and, you know, things like, say, my goal is to be this by this time and putting like a deadline, like I'm going to do it by the time I'm 30. I mean, what are your thoughts on attaching the, the timeline to it versus, you know, just going out and doing things and, and letting the chips fall where they may? Yeah, no, I think it's great to put a to put a timeline on it because then it keeps you proactive, right? It keeps you marching towards your goal. But then I would also say be realistic, and if it needs to be tweaked, tweak it. You know, I mean, if you need to work through it, work through it. And then if you didn't reach your goal by that point in time, it doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that you're still working. You know, you know. I mean, I, my, I mean, I, I have aspirations. I mean, I, I'd love to be an offense coordinator and a head coach someday. You know, and right now I'm I'm the Cowboy backs coach at Oklahoma State. You know, I'm. <laughs> You know, so everybody's working towards their ultimate goals, you know, so. Well, talk to us a little bit about that title, the Cowboy Backs coach, for, for you and your offense. What's the Cowboy Back? Yeah, great. Cowboy Back is, is a hybrid position. So it's really the tight end, wide receiver, and a fullback all rolled into one position. When I got here at Oklahoma State, Coach Gundy had never had a, a tight end coach in the history of, of Oklahoma State. It's always been an air raid program, which is an outside receiver coach, inside receiver coach. So he – transitioned out of the second second receiver coach and then brought me in because my background being an offensive line coach, he wanted a blocking element 
to the tight end position and you know, to kind of see it coming full circle, everybody's coming back to a tight end. Everybody's coming back to a three-man service side. And everybody wants a tight end now. So in 2015, the end of 2014 season going into 2015, he saw the vision and knew what direction he wanted to go with the offense. So bringing me into the fold and bringing that element into it is where he wanted to go. And the direction that we've gone since 2015 has been an 11-personnel-based air raid system. And so basically this this cowboy back came about because uh, he didn't coach Gundy didn't want tight end fullback on my business card so he said hey come up with a name I said a name he's like come up with a name for your position I said okay so I went back to my office I sat down I started writing down you know pistol p back outlaw back h back and everybody's an h back super back type of thing I've done I called it before and then I looked over and I looked at a program and said, you know, Cowboys. And so I said, well, how about Cowboy back? So I took it back down to coach and said, coach, how about Cowboy back? He's like, that's awesome. He's like, well, we'll market the crap out of that. You know, that's, that's just kind of intriguing. And it really has. You know, you throw that out there and say, you know, what are you coaching? <laughs> Cowboy backs coach. Oh, well, what's that? So it opens up a conversation to, to talk about what it is, you know. And so really where it fits with our offense, you know, we're 11 personnel, up-tempo, spread offense. We're trying to, we try to go as fast as we can up and down the field, not change personnel put defenses in a bind as far as strength and formation and all the wild playing as fast as we can go. I think a really interesting way of handling, I never thought about it like that. When, when I was at the division three level, we made that move from, you know, 10 to 11 to 12 and adding guys here and to that position throughout. But we ended up just calling them hybrids, you know, in, internally there are hybrids, but uh, th- thinking about the, it's evolved so tight end now i think because of you know all the dynamic guys in the nfl it's it's changed here but there was a time where you know tight end meant you were basically the extra tackle so i could see where that could be a disadvantage in in the recruiting but like now i think actually that's really cool in recruiting to say that you know you're a cowboy back you're this really dynamic athlete you could block you can run you could catch hey maybe even we'll give you the ball on a handoff or an end around or something like that too. That part of it actually provides you an advantage, I would imagine, in recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the kids, when they start digging into it and actually start to see what, what that entails and what that looks like, I tell them all the time, turn on any, any NFL game all the time, and they're constantly 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. I mean, they've got three tight ends rumbling out there. So the need and the necessity for this this versatile athlete is is immense i mean that's why that's why if you look across the country recruiting wise the top guys in the country have 35 40 offers why is that it's the hottest it's the hottest position next to a true true tackle a true left tackle i mean it's the most sought after position in my opinion well, obviously quarterback too but i mean it's just finding a guy that can do it all is is very 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 unique you know and, and that can truly do it all and and all the kids out there, I'm just telling you, it's, it's Diamond does. A lot of guys can, can run routes and catch a ball. But I'm telling you, where, where guys make a difference and where you will make a difference in a program, a college program, and make a lot of money in the NFL is if you have a willingness to block and you're good at it. If, you, yep. if a guy will put his face on somebody and will get after somebody like a tackle, like an offensive lineman, and, and on the perimeter, out on, you know, blocking on bubble screens and blocking – to a fullback position, you know, and, and, and inline position, I mean, that, now you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking where you give yourself a, a, an edge against everybody else because now you truly are an, an every-down kind of guy. If you can block and if you can run blocking first and second downs and then 
run routes and catch balls on third downs, you you are a necessity. You are a game changer. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl, right? Kelsey and, and Kittle and all those things those guys did all season long for their teams used in so many different ways and so many different positions. You know, that – I mean, to me, when you think if you're, a, if you're a ball player, that has to be a lot of fun, that you are – essentially all over the place and your coach is going to use you in all kinds of different ways in, in, in the offense. Well, that's exactly right. But don't, don't forget Sherman and juice. Don't forget the two fullbacks for those pro for those well, teams, yeah. teams as well. Right. I, mean, I mean, there, there is an underlining underpinning out there. Make fullbacks great again. I mean, I love, I love that hashtag. And I think, uh, I think Grinkle uses it all the time. So do I, my son, he does. My, my son's a fullback here at Stillwater high school. And uh, so he feels the pain, you know. I mean, he's a great lead blocker and he does all those things, but he's a he's an old school throw it back kind of fullback kind of guy. And there's a place for those guys too. And um, within our offense here, these cowboy backs really, when I say fullback, when we truly line up at the fullback position, and we, these guys are playing fullback, and then they'll flex out and play a number, they'll play every wide receiver position and the tight end position. So I told my guys the other day, so we we play twelve different positions. We play six positions on the right, and we play six positions on the left. There's not another position in the game of football that plays that many positions. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Drinkle's so good with that. I remember tweeting at him with one of his make fullback great, great again. I think it was everybody needs to be able to adopt a fullback. I think that was his his tweet. So. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so, yeah, my, my son's living proof of that right now. So. <laughs> Well, since we brought him up, uh, Matt Drinkle has found a way almost into to every show, it seems now. <laughs> he's got some questions for you. And uh, if, if, if uh, you've seen his questions that he's been asking here on, on Twitter, there's always going to be some that are kind of off the wall and some really good football ones. So he's going to throw one. You answer the ones you want, but he's going to throw one right off the bat here with uh, an off-the-wall one. He says, why is Gundy the only one with a mullet? Because he gets paid the most. And he can, he, he gets paid the most, and he has a lot of money to take care of. Uh, he can get a lot of hair products. <laughs> Absolutely. Number two, biggest commonalities or differences between your last two OCs? You've mentioned you've learned to work with offensive coordinators and, and you know, make whatever adjustments you need. But uh, commonalities and differences between your last two. These last two right here, night and day, you know, we had a guy just come in, uh, Princeton, real quick. Uh, was here for a year. And, you know, 12, 12 personnel, run the ball first kind of deal. And then now he's gone back to Rutgers. You know, then we have Casey uh, Dunn, our wide receiver coach, is now taking over, which we're going to kind of go back to more of a traditional Oklahoma State air raid type of deal, throwing the ball. You know, we're going we're gonna to chuck the ball down the field. We're going to throw it first, run it second kind of mentality. You know, play, go back to playing as fast as we can type of Big 12 Big Twelve offensive play that Oklahoma State's been known for. So, yeah, we're going to kind of get back to, to what we do in Coach Gundy-style offense. Has that affected you much from how you're going to coach your guys? No, I, you know, my guys, like I said, they have to have the ability to, to be all over the field and versatility. And so the biggest part is the flexed out part, you know, playing all the different wide receiver positions. But then have the physicality and the mentality to come in the box and, and be able to be a formidable blocker. You know, and then also being being good at fullback. I mean, I, my starting tight end is six seven, two hundred and seventy pounds. So cowboy back, and he he plays fullback. I mean, <laughs> that big old joker back there, line up fullback. I mean, he, he got good knee knee bend. He's got to get down there and you know, be a lead blocker on, on 
different plays, but you know, he does a good job at it. So absolutely. A little change up here. Your favorite character from the office and why? Favorite character from the office. Oh man. Oh, uh, what's the main, I don't, I don't watch it that much, but my, I do see that. Michael Scott. Yeah, that, yeah, he, he cracks me up. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty funny dude. I, I like his, I use a lot of his stuff on Twitter, a lot of his uh, memes. Yeah. <laughs> he's got some pretty good ones there. Oh, oh boy, yeah. glasses, though. He's pretty funny, too, now. Yeah, well, that Dwight's yeah, fruit. Dwight, yeah, yeah uh, I told Drinko, like, he may be the only coach in the, coach in the, in the country who used an office meme in one of his cl- clinic presentations. Uh, he talked about it in one of his episodes here uh, with us, but yeah, he loves, he loves the office and he definitely made reference to that in his cl- clinic. Oh presentation. man. Yeah. Dwight, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Correct> me <laughs> up, man. <laughs> so next question, we'll, be- we'll get back to football. These last two from coach Drinkle. What has made you guys so successful at the inside zone? Yeah. You know, yeah, we just went back and we watched, you know, everybody watched cutups and we were, we were somewhere in the ballpark of almost eight. We were, we were eight plus yards on inside zone on our, on our cutups and comparatively like the split flow zone, we were only like four yards and some change. So I was really trying to think about what was the difference between, you know, what made the inside zone so good. And I think, I think part of it obviously is the running back. I mean, Chuba Hubbard's the best running back in the country. And so he makes he makes your offensive line and cowboy backs look really good, but I think you know you have the ability in the inside zone to come off the ball and and work on your double teams and get vertical, and you know getting him downhill on guys you know he's very explosive getting through the hole, and I think like the split flow zone concept I, I think there was a lot more moving parts you know my cowboy backs you know were sliding back obviously and then that makes defenders rock back and do different things and they fit the holes differently so I think that that inside zone just you know just being able to combo off on a level two linebacker and work in combination i, th- I think it's made us so successful with that and like i said then obviously having a good running back <laughs> this one's not his but i guess it's just a follow-up to it for for your guys you know a lot of teams coach that split flow see so many high school teams now in that you know 11 personnel guy off the ball coming all the way back what are your key coaching points for for that block because it is very important. If you're going to get that running game going, especially if you're going to get the cutback on that, that block has to be handled pretty well. It doesn't always necessarily have to be devastating. I know the guy's coming from a distance, but how are you coaching that up? Yeah, the first thing I'm telling them is that have an ass kicker mentality. <laughs> I mean, you got to come back and try to knock that guy's teeth out, and and you need to you need him to know that you're there and you're doing that, and that will really set up all the other variations off of that play, but. Um, you know, I'm telling them they've got to stay tight to the line of scrimmage and they got to work a 45-degree angle. And the, the biggest coaching point there is that they've got to be inside out. So it, it's like a pulling guard on counter, right? I mean, if you're going right, you got you got to hit with your right shoulder. If you're going left, you got to hit with your left shoulder. You can't let them spill that thing and, and get inside of you. So you got to you got to be scraping paint off that tackle and be be tight right off that guy's edge. And then and then the, the biggest the other coaching point is you got to not stop your feet. You got to run through that guy. You know, and unfortunately, the cutting rules have really changed that play. Not being able to cut that backside defensive end, I think, is is really changed the the college level of football now. Just the that's a, that's a pretty great that's a pretty great block now. Before it was just night and day. I mean, I would just cut that guy down and and way we would go. But now that ten and two rule and the you know, I mean, it's just 
I don't know, it's dicey. So I don't even teach it anymore, which is which is a shame because now that was a weapon that you could use against defense. That defensive end, he wanted to keep his kneecap. He was concerned about it. Then he, he played a little differently. But, yeah, I, I, I miss being able to cut that block for sure. For the shoulder block, because, you know, I think – we get these guys used to blocking with their hands a lot. So the shoulder block is very important to have in your toolbox. How are you able to uh, to make sure that, or what are you coaching, I should say, to make sure that they're bringing their hips through that and, you know, it's not just I'm going to lean and get my shoulder into them, that the, the force of that isn't the contact, the force of that comes from those hips rolling through. That's right. And so what I try to do, how I try to drill that is I have a one-man left sled. And I hit that. I hit that every day, or you know, once a week during the season. Um, Tuesdays is our sled day, so I'll basically get a shoot. Uh, I'll get like a wide receiver shoot, and I'll put that out there, and I'll put that about two yards, two and a half yards in front of the sled. I'll put it on an angle, so they're working that 45 degree angle, and I'm getting them to, you know, I'm getting my guys that, you know, line up in opposite fullback position. They're coming full speed through there, so they got to come underneath the shoot. They got to hit that left sled, and they got to roll their hips, and they got to come up through. Now I. I teach, you know, I'm teaching eye space mask hands called tripod as far as strike. If, if the guy's squeezing and condensing, then it's more of a shoulder block. But if I can put my eye space mask hands on that guy and roll my feet and roll my hips and, and my thumbs up through the air and, and keep driving, then that's that's a good block. And that's kind of what I work on there. The the shoulder block, the log, that, that contact happens naturally. You know, as long as you're inside out, uh, you're in pretty good position there. Well, this next one is, I think is a pretty good one, especially with you guys being air raid and what you do as blockers. How do you balance your practice schedule for your cowboy backs, your tight ends, between in the box and out of the box? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things I had to really learn when I got here. Um, you know, and I thought as an offensive line coach, I thought I had no time. <laughs> I thought, well, I got to work on run blocking, pass pro, screens, play action passes. You know, pass protection, there's no time. And, and all, all offensive line coaches grumble about that. But then looking back on it, I mean, I had all the time in the world. I had pre-practice time. You have special teams time. There's always a dead period where you're grabbing guys and you're working on stuff. So looking back on it, I felt like I had I had tons of time as offensive line coach. Well, at this position and tight end coaches across the country and, and doing what you do, there is no time because all your guys play special teams. So literally, I get four. I get four uh, individual periods, uh, individual periods, and we go from about seven. We go about seven to ten minutes. So what I'll do is I'll take each one of those individual periods and I'll cut it in half. And I'm always I'm always working every single day. I'm going to work a footwork drill, uh, you know, base block footwork drill. I'm going to work some sort of pass pro drill. I'm going to work a, a route drill with ball, you know, uh, catching the ball or, um, you know, just a perimeter blocking drill. Um, you really got to break up the drill work. Now, I do feel like with the Cowboy backs, I've got six guys. Where when you're coaching offensive line, you've got 15, 18, possibly 20 guys you're trying to get through. So the the numbers are definitely different. So I feel like with this position, this Cowboy back position, I definitely can get through a lot more reps, and so I can move through a lot more drills quickly because I don't have as many guys. So I, I do feel that. But um, yeah, I, I try to break up as many things as possible in the, every single drill. That way, you can maximize the drill and get more out of it for sure our next set of questions coach are from scoop reed and his first one we talked a little bit about you know what's a cowboy back and the advantages of that in recruiting i think there's a good question though when you're recruiting a tight end are you looking for guys who are receivers that you can teach how to block or are you looking more for 
somebody's a pure tight end blocker who maybe you can teach some of those receiver skills? Yeah, that's a great question. And really, really it's the hardest question to, to really answer or <laughs> approach because recruiting this position, is, there's so many different variables, right? And so I take the stance on, you know, err, err on the side of athleticism. So probably the bigger, bigger wide out, maybe not doesn't have a top end speed to be an outside receiver, but has the frame and the, and the potential to put on weight in the weight room to get bigger. But obviously is a good route runner, has good ball skills, and you're going to have to teach him the, the blocking aspects. Now with that, I believe, and there comes a mentality that has to, that, that individual has to have the mentality of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put my face on somebody and get after this guy. And some guys have that and some guys don't. And honestly, that's, you know, if it comes down to it and, and one guy will put his face on, on a guy and finish his blocks and the other guy maybe a little bit better route runner and ball skills, I'm probably going to err on the side of the guy that has the physicality and the, and the mentality to get after a guy and maybe not quite the top end speed or, or a little less ball skills because he, there is so much blocking involved, you know. Yeah, Coach Scoop Reed also wants to know, we talked about how you balance that practice time. But how do you balance your film time between run and pass? Yeah, you know, I kind of just throw it all together again because you have a, a limited number of guys. I definitely can get through a lot more tape. And I think the hard part too is that I coach this position, whether it's a fullback, a wide receiver, tight end. I coach, you know, I coach it all together. You know, I mean, we. I've in the past, I've had guys that were just the fullback. I had guys that were just the tight end. I had guys that were just the wide receiver. So we would shuttle guys in and out. Where the true hybrid guy, you know, just that versatile guy that can do it all, you know, that those are the guys, and that's kind of where we've evolved to, you know, and that those kind of guys that can do it all. So we're just kind of rolling through everything film-wise, run past, um, you know, watching stuff. Uh, and I try to install everything by concepts, you know, run concepts, pass concepts, quick concepts, drop back, keep it big picture, start with the concepts, and then work from there. Coach Mark Manning, kind of, and I know this is going to be part of your answer, what you just said about these guys being hybrid, but – how has Oklahoma State been able to tempo so effectively while also remaining so multiple in formation, snap to snap? Yeah, that's a great question. If I ever give you the answer, I'd have to kill you. No, just <laughs> <laughs> no. I think um, I think it's no it's no secret. It's simplicity. You know, I mean, the, the faster you want to play, you got to make things simple. And I think as coaches. We make things we make things wordy. We we make things difficult as coaches because we want to make it. We want it to make sense for us. And really, when it comes down to it, as a coach, you need to make it. You need, you need to make it so it's it's simple for your players. They can think fast and play fast. So I think that's what we've done a good job here at Oklahoma State is is to simplify what we're doing on offense and defense so guys can play fast and know what they're doing. And so that limits how much you can actually put in, you know, and, and keep things, keep things streamlined. You know, don't, don't put in a bunch of onesies. Don't put in a bunch of, you know, stuff you're not using, you know, and, and keep it simple for the kids so they can play fast. So I think that's, that's what we've done a good job of here and consistently over, over the years, you know, this is year six for me coming up and coach Gundy has been here for 15 uh, and I, he's going on his 16th year. So he's had lots of guys come through here and everybody has put their stamp on the program and on the offense. But the, the premise is just, hey, if we're going to keep it simple and we're going to play fast. And I think, as I said, part of that is when you have those hybrid type of guys. You know, like I said, we had transitioned to that when I was at the, the D3 level. And, you know, those guys, 
could do. I mean, you'd have to understand what's what's their capability. I mean, they're not going to necessarily go run, you know, a, a go ball or a post who's beating somebody one on one, but they're going to be able to use their bodies in space. So having your hybrid guys who can get out on the field and align in different places really gives you that dimension of of stressing the defense. So they can't say, well, you know, they're they're only in this set because this guy's on the field. Yeah. And so another part of this position, I think that you just brought up is FBI, football intelligence. So my guys in my room have got to know the offense as well as the quarterback. Next to the quarterback, the Cowboy backs in our offense know, they have to know it all. I mean, they have to, you live in a dual world. You live in a, you live in a, you got to live in the, the, the big guy world. You got to live in the O-line world and know what their communication is. And you've got to live in the skill world and know all that communication. So really, I mean, the ability to process information and think fast and, and do all those things, that, that, that is hard, man. That, that is really hard. And, and, and some guys some guys get it, some guys don't. And, um, and truly have a guy that can think fast on his feet. I talk about being the eraser all the time. Because of where we are and what we do and having a knowledge of the offense, you know, being able to, being able to fix it, being able to erase that situation and we'll fix it and move on. But, you know, having an understanding and an ability to, to know what's going on around you to, to be able to, to fix it at the time, you know, it, it's huge. And uh, lining up and doing all the different things that we do, yeah, for sure, it, it takes a lot. So we got uh, one last set of questions here from Coach Mitchell Shepard, who's from Kansas in he had a question about utilizing inline but and offline tight ends. How much do you, do you do that as far as the guys who are going to play up on the line, maybe put their hand on the ground versus those guys who are going to be just off of the tackle? Yeah, you know, it kind of depends on what you're asking those guys to do. I, I think when you're, you know, inline versus the wing, inline, you're a little less multiple, you know, as far as what the gaps can't move. Yeah, you just can't move. I mean, you're, you're stationary right there. So the, you know, obviously the you see the run run to him or run away, and then you're you know obviously route running is a little bit better from inline. So a lot of times I think that's where guys that get on the line they're running a route. Guys are off the off the off the ball they're running the ball. You know, I mean, so you kind of you kind of dig yourself a hole there statistically and tendency wise because you start to build tendencies based off inline and wing. I, I prefer to like wing because you're much more multiple. I have the ability to go split flow. I have the ability to stay front side. I can still re- release in a route. You know, you can pull from counter on there. And I know there's lots of lots of guys do that from inline, but you know, I, you have the ability to, to be in a good chip position on on you know, pass pro structure and stuff like that. I, uh, we tend to be more in the wing than inline. Now, if you're in 12 personnel, you know, now I'm in a. I mean, I love I love wing sets. You know, I mean, you can't get enough of those. That's probably my favorite 12 personnel stuff. Any. Any version of a, a inline wing kind of formation, three by one, two by two, whatever you're doing there, I think it gives you a real advantage. Um, so then, of course, your inline guys always always in the th- always put them in a three point, and your wing is, you know, one by one off of him. So, but yeah, definitely eleven personnel stuff. We tend to be more wing because you're just more multiple. What blocks do you ask your tight end to execute, and you know, what, how do you teach those or handle those in practice? Holy cow! Yeah. They gotta do everything, man. I mean, again, going back to what this position entails and what you have to do, there's just there is so much. And so, what I try to do is I try to streamline it to whatever we're practicing that day. So, for example, let's just say Tuesday was a zone day, so we're gonna run inside zone, outside zone. Well, I'm gonna focus my my drill work on on those blocks 
we're going to run split flow. I'm going to work on that block. On Wednesday, it might be a gap day. And, you know, we're, we're not re- – we ran some power last year, but that's not going to be our gig. You know, I, we, we dabbled in it. We weren't great at it. So, you know, counter, pulling on counter, doing those sorts of things, work on gap stuff. Um, you know, so just try, to, just try to emulate what we're going to do for that day and really really zero down down in on it for that day because there's there's a lot to go with goes into it for sure and you know we my position i just there's we do so much i mean we're you know we're outside zone inside zone you know counter power draw kind of team so just all the different and then all the variations that go off of that you have your base way to do it and then you have like split flow zone for example okay i'm working on my split flow zone block but then you're gonna have split flow zone read and now you got to work on the read part and bypassing and okay, now where do my eyes go and what do I do there and, and how to do all the, you know, all those different things that go along with it. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot, yeah, there's, there's a lot to do. So. For sure. The last question coach has is how do you incorporate your tight end into the play action game? Obviously that's, I think, you know, you get your tight ends and fullbacks into the play action puts a lot of stress on the defense because you got guys who are king run game. And now all of a sudden this guy who was a blocker in the box is, you know, out in the flat or running a corner or whatever it might be dragging across, you know, all those kinds of things. Yeah. I I think obviously the run sets up the pass. I mean, you gotta, gotta be able to establish the run, get those guys down the box and then take advantage of that. You know, the RPOs along, along with play action pass. I mean, those are huge, right? I mean, your inside zone RPOs, every way you can get out, you know, get those guys across the middle, get those linebackers down, little 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 pop passes, little dink passes, you know, like you're saying, out of the flats. You, you just can't, you know, that's a great way to get the hand, the ball in the hands of, of these guys and utilize those guys. And you're right. I mean, know your personnel, right? I mean, my number one guy, like I said, he's, he's 6'7", 270 pounds. He's not going to be running a post route. You know, I mean, he's just, that's, that's not who he is. I mean, that's not what I'm asking him to do. He, he's, he can catch the ball. He's, his wingspan is unbelievable. So catching the ball across the middles, I mean, he's got, a, he's a great target for that. So you know, every way, every way you can get those guys uh, involved in that is awesome. And, and between the RPO world and the, the play action pass world, yeah, definitely. We try to utilize that as much as we can, take advantage of it. Well, Coach, I appreciate you sharing your story, your journey here giving us some insight into the cowboy back position and how you use those guys and, and how you practice. And you know, the one final question I have for you is all the things you do as a coach, both on and off the field, what's the one thing you do or as part of your coaching that you feel really gives your guys the winning edge? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I feel like what gives my guys the winning edge is the fact that I feel like I'm, I'm setting them up for, for life beyond football. I mean, I, I really feel like as a coach, you know, everybody, nobody really cares about how much you know until they know how much you care about them, right? So I feel like as a coach, when you really pour into your guys and you really feel like they would run through a brick wall for you because you believe in them, then I think then that sets them up for excellence on the field. And then that sets them up for, for life beyond Oklahoma State. <laughs> you know, the best the best phone calls, the best the best notes you get are from guys that played for you 10, 15 years ago and say, Coach, you know, thanks. You know, thanks for believing in me. Thanks. Hey, I just want to let you know I got my first house. I, you know, hey, I'm having my first kid. Hey, I'm, I got a wedding notice. You know, I got a uh, wedding notice the other day. You know, whatever. I mean, 
or even the ones or even the guys you got after that didn't get it back then and got in trouble and they still send you notes to coach I appreciate you so much for really you know taking care of me or, or taking a hard line with me and getting me to open my eyes you know I'm whatever now you know I mean those those are the those are the moments and I think that as a coach when you're able to to horn your guys like that I think that sets them up for for success absolutely coach for our listeners out there what areas do you recruit yeah I've got uh I've got an area of Tulsa kind of like southeast out of Tulsa and then I recruit east Texas so I've got this I go south of 20 and east of 45 all the way down to Newton, Texas. So I'm out in the piney woods. And I, I, I do enjoy recruiting out there for sure. So, And you can follow Coach at Jason McIndoo. It's M-C-E-N-D-O-O on Twitter. Coach, can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time here. And, you know, when this gets going and you get you guys back out there, best of luck to you and the Cowboys in 2020. Hey Keith, I really appreciate you having me on there. I just I just looked you up on Spotify the other day, so I got the podcast ready to roll. I'm gonna be listening to all the guys coming on, and I just really appreciate you having me. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out. All of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.